Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the Metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. And, and Chip, I don't know, he feels like he kind of just, he fortifies and maybe makes a little more substantial the slice of my pie that's uh, more Chip-like or aspires to be more positive, more just like, Man, it's not if you win or lose. It's about it's about bringing a winning attitude, no matter what happens. Like Chip, if he found himself falling from the Empire State Building during his descent, he'd be like, "How can I bring a winning attitude to this descent?" You know, <laughs> and he'd probably figure something out. You know, he'd fly. Welcome to Fanatics, the Dexter episodes, where each week we're going to give you a recap of Dexter New Blood and talk to one of the cast members from Dexter New Blood. Uh, David, my co-host, is also on the show. Hi, David. Hi, Claire. Yes, I feel like we are all the dark passenger on this new ride we're going on for the next Wait, 10 David. weeks. Wait, David. 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 <laughs> First of all, there's no one more excited when you told me you got cast in Dexter New Blood because I was a huge Dexter fan of the first seasons, everything, the whole run. And I'm so excited to have the show back. And I'm so excited that you, my co-host, are on it. You play an awesome character, Teddy, right? That's that's who I it's am. It's no longer a secret because episode one aired last night, so... <laughs> Tell, tell us a little about Teddy to start us off, and then we're going to talk about episode one. Teddy is a brand new guy on the force. Uh, I think if you ever wanted to be a cop, you can imagine what you would feel like with almost no experience of <laughs> being given a gun and a badge, and that's how I, I played him, and so just earnest and eager and just myself, but... Yeah, what a delight to just do this very meta thing we're doing where I got to be on the show and I'm talking about for the next 10 weeks this thing that I got to film for six months in the middle of Massachusetts and meet such wonderful, fantastic human beings who are also terrific actors, storytellers, and we get to have them on day after day over these next 10 weeks. What a treat. The best part of this Fanatics job so far is going to be the Dexter episodes. I'm so excited. Diving right in, I loved episode one, okay? I think for a fan of the show, the, and I watched it three times, by the way, 
everything was done right from the opening sequence where the song is talking about, you know, it's the song that talks about the passenger. You already said you feel like we're the dark passengers. I am not a dark passenger, David. I am not a killer. I am... I am on the right side. I am the light passenger. But, you know, we wonder what has Dexter been up to these last 10 years? You know, what has happened since since he left, you know, Florida and traveled north? And did he kill along the way? We find out no, because about 16 minutes in, they talk about, you know, it's been he basically reveals it's been 10 years since he's killed. Well, don't you love just that beginning part where you just see his daily routine and the simplicity of it just taking their time setting up, you know, what Jim Lindsay's been up to with his little ice fishing experience and feeding the goats. It's so it's so sweet and so Norman Rockwell-esque. I, I don't know if I would call it sweet or Norman Rockwell-esque, but it is interesting. And they there's so like many Easter eggs in that sequence for people who were fans of the original show. Um, one, the scraping away of the snow on the windshield. Later in that episode, you know, the cutting of the pork where he's talking to his sister, which by the way, hello, Jennifer Carpenter right there at the very beginning, you know, and I'm wondering in my own mind for people who have not seen the original series, you know, this is like an M night moment with, you know, six cents. She's dead. He obviously is still talking to her. She's still giving him advice. She always kind of like guided him. She's gone. But I'm wondering if you haven't, if you're not familiar with the original series, are you going to realize that she's dead? And just like a vision or are you thinking in your mind, oh, who's this woman talking to him? I don't know how much you definitely don't have to have watched the first iteration of Dexter to enjoy this episode. But you need someone on the couch with you just to kind of whisper a thing or two like, oh, yeah, that's his sister. And she she died and stuff. Well, like you you do need that maybe or maybe you'll figure it out yourself. But I think that. The, ep- the new series has been designed to reward those who did watch the original Dexter, but also welcome in new fans. So I think that was a really smart thing they did because there are a lot of like hidden secret Easter egg type things for fans of the old series. You know, he even talks about Rita. His, you know, Jennifer Carpenter says everyone you love dies. Like when Harrison is coming back, this is a little later in the episode, obviously, when Harrison, his son appears and at first Dexter denies like no you're not my son I'm sorry you know here's some bus fare you should go and then it's a tough moment that's a tough moment to watch even I I I read all the scripts and I still was like oh geez what a you, how do you turn your son away? I don't care who know, you are and, Jack, and, and what you are. It's just a Jack tough who we have on later in the show who plays Harrison an amazing actor like he really nailed that moment I was like ah I I felt his pain you know as he turned away I felt his pain as he was sitting at the bus station thankfully you know the whole episode is about Dexter coming back into his own with killing I mean let's just say we're not going to make a Dexter series where he doesn't you know explore and gratify that side of himself in a healthy way and you see like from the moment he's hunting the albino you know deer And then he's created this like symbiotic relationship with it where, you know, he needs to hunt it but not kill it. And then he's able to approach it and and, like feel the breath of the deer on his hand. And that's the moment that life is taken from the animal. And that kind of sets him into like, okay, you know what? 
I don't know. I don't know how much longer I can keep my dark passenger at bay. I don't know, David. I love the white buck because I love you mentioned that because the white buck is this great metaphorical representation of this pure, beautiful thing that he tries to be now these last 10 years. He's He wants to respect it. It's this it's got all this energy, right? It's this. It's a buck, right? It's a. It's a man, <laughs> deer, <laughs> for lack of a better way to say a it. A man deer, and yeah. he's sort of probably feels similar in that he has all this energy and all this, all this, uh, you know, just bestiality, so to speak. You know, the he the animal instincts inside of him, but so beautiful and so kind of contained. And so I think it's so sweet that he has that connection. And when the buck dies, ugh, it really is such a uh, it really it hurt me I, I again it's like the moment that he turns Harrison away as well as the moment that the buck gets shot and falls to the ground uh, I don't I, I'm not someone who's necessarily so sensitive to like animals dying but in that moment it really just felt like such a loss and so it really I get why he got so angry I get why that was the straw that broke the camel's back after a whole episode leading up to What's going to be the thing that tips him over the edge? That that worked for me. I don't know if, if that's how it worked you felt. for me. And it wasn't. You don't even know if that moment was the final tipping point. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because another interesting thing about the episode is there's a lot of alcohol and drug use throughout the episode. Whether it's when everybody goes dancing in the bar, or whether it's you know the party that he has to deliver the gun to. And I was thinking as I was watching this the second time, the thing about Dexter is Dexter doesn't lose control. He does. You see him. He orders an IPA. He orders a Chivas on the rocks, you know, and nachos. Um, <laughs> but he never you never see the character inebriated. You never see the character under the influence of drugs. His escapism, his release, his drug is the moment of the kill. Yeah. You know, he doesn't have that's his outlet for yeah. all his feelings, for all his emotions, for everything. And so to repress that for 10 years and then to just like be to just, you know, and he says it, he says it when he goes to meet Harrison, which is after the kill, which is also like, Oh my God, he's going to meet his son with the guys still in, in the car, like wrapped up. Um, <laughs> didn't have a chance to dispose of him yet. And they full on were like, put the head in a bag. Like we're not, he didn't like go like, oh, I think I'm going to kill him and then not dismiss. He went full on Dexter immediately once he decided to go back in, you know? Oh, yeah. It's kind of like I I have this very funny story. I'll make this quick. But I was a vegetarian for like 10 years. And when I became not a vegetarian, there was no forethought. I literally just went to the fridge and ate like a big thing of ham dip. So <laughs> I, I feel like Dexter was the same way. Oh, there was no. no I want to do a whole podcast on what ham dip is, but anyway. It is so good. It's an Ohio thing. It sounds um. like it. <laughs> but, you know, he he didn't dip his toe back in. To, he went full on yeah. boom, you know? And so I liked that about that moment. And then sitting down with Harrison and saying, I am Dexter Morgan. That's who I am. You know, it kind of says to me, like, okay, in the past – you know, with Harry, he had this code of conduct and a way of controlling the dark passenger. But I feel like this season, it's going to be explored in a more like visceral way. I'm not sure how. And I'm very excited to find out. What did you think, Claire, as someone who's watching? Because I, you know, I got to be there and see 
you know, on set, you know, how Marcos and Sandy, the directors, were I know, I wish I could have come visit. <laughs> well, that's what we get to. That's 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 why this podcast is happening. I get to I get to share a few things. You get to share how you see it from your angle. And it's fun. Uh, so did it feel different as far as I mean, it was a sh- it was literally shot differently, you know, different cameras, different time. Did it kind of take you out? Did it feel like a more mature version of Dexter? Did it feel more like a 2021 it version? It didn't feel like it didn't feel like either of those things. It just felt good to mm. be back with him. Oh. Now, I will say, it, you know, and you could tell Clive is back in the driver's seat on this, which I really like. I expressed that before. Season four of the old Dexter is arguably like up there with Game of Thrones, up there with like classic best season collectively of television. Amazing. And then he kind of left after that. So bringing him back, I think, was essential in the success of Dexter New Blood. Another thing I want to mention, I absolutely loved the the juxtaposition of the music and the sort of, I don't know, the lightness. The, the, the episode to me, it didn't start light and go dark. It had an overtone of like, hey, Dexter found a way to be happy and now he's going to find a way to also be Dexter and also be happy. Whereas he was a tortured, repressed soul before. I mean, he even says when he takes the kill and he goes to put the blood on the slide, which everyone knows that is his like trophy thing that he always did with all his kills. And then he's like, you know what? I don't, I've evolved. I don't need a trophy, you know? And I was like, yes, you have, you have, you've moved past that. So I'm anticipating a a lighter Dexter remaining while he's exploring this, you know, this old part of himself he's ignored for 10 years. And that is really interesting. Yeah, I think you nailed it. I think you're not just seeing Dexter 10 years later because I didn't watch the show nearly the way that you did. I have seen some episodes, but I think it's fun almost that I didn't in a weird way because then you get to share your love of these eight seasons and I'm sort of coming from this place of, hey, I'm just, I'm on this show. And I think him, yeah, from what I know of the past seasons, he always really struggled with trying to be a human being without the the want to kill, right? But in this series, you actually, in the first, like, you really see him like not want to kill. And like you can tell like he actually is a, a figured out life for him in a really nice way. He doesn't look like he's struggling to be a kind of norm core human being. It actually looks like he's kind of made a nice life for himself. And, well, and he's moved from like torturing himself with like these crime scenes, blood splatter expert, like always to, you know, he's he enjoys sharpening knives. Yeah. Uh, that was another yeah. Easter egg yeah. for, you know, people who have watched the old series. When you see that, you're like, oh, that's part of his kit. Well, no, he's actually now has a job where he can sharpen knives for, you know, the butcher who's butchering everyone's pigs and cows, you know, and deer and whatnot. Um I forget what that's called out in the field, a field dressing or whatever. Yeah. So the other thing that I thought was amazing and genius is in the old series, Dexter, his voice was the narration. It was the driving factor and the peak inside his world. And that was missing the first, you know, 40 minutes of the episode until he made his kill. And then the voice started again. So that was a genius, like, division marker that the writers and everyone, directors, and Michael C. Hall put in. And speaking of Michael C. Hall, just when I think this episode couldn't 
doesn't get any better. Yes, it can. Because guess what, guys? Michael C. Hall, Dexter himself. He's also, of course, from Six Feet Under, Kill Your Darlings, uh, The Crown, The Defeated. Anyway, all that wonderful Michael C. Hall stuff. And now he's a guest on Fanatics. And David, tell us what he's talking about. Yes, Michael C. Hall, speaking of finding peace in one's later years, <laughs> in the last 10 years, Michael oh my gosh. has found a love, a love in Chip Gaines. Yes, Chip Gaines, a fixer-upper of Joanna Gaines's husband fame of Demolition Day of all things HGTV. And so, guys, let's plunge right into this episode and enjoy. Love the plunge joke. Do you know that Chip just shaved his head, Michael? I did not know that. No, today. Literally today. He he shaved his head for St. Jude and raised a ton of money for them, which is obviously amazing. And the fans are, I mean, I know this because I just Googled it, but the fans are flipping out. He looks like a totally different person. I bet. I bet. Is he making locks of his hair available for purchase online? (laughs) I think he's making a uh, loose-knit blanket out of them, actually. All right. A hand-woven, chunky blanket is what they call well, it. Here's the, here's the question, Michael. <laughs> Would you be lining up to buy some of those locks of hair? How big a uh, fan are you of Chip Gaines? Absolutely. Yeah, I would. <laughs> I'm not sure exactly how I'd display it. If I would sort of maybe get it just um, folded into my own via like some sort of extensions <laughs> or put it on the mantle. Well, then that would make you like a biblical Samson if you did that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then your superpowers as an actor and a home decorator would come together. Or maybe I could get some, um, you know, little capsules and fold hairs Ooh. in every morning and take it as a supplement. I don't know. But what would it be, though? It'd be a supplement. And then what would occur? Would you be very confident? Would you be very funny? Would you be great at demo day? Yeah, I think I would I would see an uptick in my desire to run through walls. I would <laughs> see an uptick in my inherent positivity, in my winning attitude, uh, in my love for my 18 children. I don't have 18 children. Chip does. No, yes. You might are. if you if you have his hair. All right. Yeah, so. they might they might spontaneously appear. Yeah, they should. How did it begin? How did it begin? I was skiing uh, with my wife, Morgan, in Colorado, and we just started at the end of our day, you know, exhausted on the couch watching HGTV. Not that I hadn't watched HGTV before. I'm a good American, after all. But but I hadn't really watched Fixer Upper, and I started watching episodes, and I just, I I would look to Morgan and be like, "I I think that guy... I think he might be a genius. Um, I just, you know, I mean, I'm not, I'm not the only one, you know. No, he's, you're uh, not the only one. He's, I mean, he's a, he's a beloved personality on the uh, American cultural landscape. I don't know. I was just, I was just really taken with how goofy he was. I thought he was genuinely funny. I think Morgan would would catch me smiling. Like she would, she would see me from the other room and know I was watching TV and not knowing what it was. She'd look at my face and she'd, she'd say, you're, you're watching, you're watching Chip, aren't you? (laughs) I mean, obviously it's a show. His wife is featured and their clients and everything, but she would just refer to the show as Chip or Chip Gaines. But I don't know. I just, I just, he, he made me feel good. He's, 
I don't know. I'm kind of um, uh, quiet, uh, brooding, morose. At least that's a part of the pie, a, a slice of the pie that makes up me. And and Chip, I don't know. He feels like he kind of just he fortifies and maybe makes a little more substantial the slice of my pie that's uh, more Chip-like or aspires to be more positive, more just like, man, it's not if you win or lose. It's about, it's about bringing a winning attitude, no matter what happens. Like Chip, if he found himself falling from the Empire State Building during his descent, he'd be like, how can I bring a winning attitude to this descent? You know? <laughs> and he'd probably figure something out. You know, he'd fly. He'd get he'd get very close to the ground, and then he'd be like, "I gotcha." Yeah. I mean, I do feel like there's people, you know, personalities, or even people that you know in your own life that you feel like, man, they've got it like figured out. Like nothing bothers them. They kind of like just got it like yeah. together, and that's that's what I'm hearing from you, Michael. Yeah, and in his case, somehow it's palatable because I feel like all the sort of enthusiasm and positivity is is countered by or coupled with like what really seems like a genuine gratitude and humility like he's a good dude you know i i buy it well i knowing you you know and spending a good deal of time with you shooting this uh this um you know what you call it whatever you call it thing that we did in boston for a bit um i hope people watch it we'll see but i think you're more chip than you think you aren't. I think well, there's a there's that's a good... only because you met me after I encountered Chip. Yeah. So what, did, <laughs> what was the that like you know experience of like watching the show for the first time with your wife? You know, you're kind of like in a peaceful place. A ski lodge sounds peaceful. You know, yeah, vacation. Like a, a and, good kind of exhausted. Yeah, My defenses like good, were down. You were down. You were ready to like absorb. And what was that like? Like, how long did it take before you were like, "I really like this guy"? And then, uh, how long did it take before you were like, "I want to be this guy"? <laughs> I think probably, I think it had already happened. It had happened well before I consciously acknowledged it. I think I was probably like three episodes in, and Morgan was like, "You're still, you're still watching it." And uh, I mean, he kind of embodies like a sort of all-American positivity like i said you know and um i don't know he loves he it's i mean he embodies a lot of cliches about about how it's uh best to be you know he 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 doesn't take himself seriously he takes his work very seriously he works really hard he doesn't feel like his day is complete unless he's broken a sweat and maybe even bled a little bit. These are things I've learned from listening to the audiobook that he reads of Capital Gains, his his mm. book. You know yeah, he's but, listed as author uh, on He wrote it. But I no no, <laughs> not of the book. He oh, did oh write in it. terms of like like yeah, yeah. That's how he presents himself on the interwebs is like author. Right, right. Do you are we okay with that? Or are you like, I don't know. I mean, I don't feel like he had a straight up ghostwriter, that's for sure. I mean, it definitely feels like it's in his voice and he does read the audiobook. And I mean, he says a lot of stuff that's just you know, homespun wisdom, but at the same time I mean, th th there's one thing he says, you know, if you if you can't see the the beauty in the bad, then you can't see the beauty in anything, which is, you know, a sort of shiny, happier version of what Viktor Frankl says in Man's Search for Meaning, you know? Like, if life is meaningful, then 
being a prisoner in a concentration camp is meaningful. And that if you can't find meaning in that, then nothing has meaning. Chip. I just read that about uh, maybe six months ago. That's funny. Yeah. It's a, yeah. it a beautiful what, little book. Yeah. And did you find yourself thinking about Chip Gaines while you were reading it? You did. Yeah, you should you should check it out again and just <laughs> reread it put a... through the eyes I, I of Magnolia. Like, <laughs> I feel like I just had an epiphany when you were describing him and describing like some of his sort of analogies or mottos or whatever. <laughs> Have you guys watched Ted Lasso? I haven't, he's, but I think Chip I think Gaines is like. He's like Ted Lasso. Ted Ted's thing was like be a goldfish. Goldfish have very short memories. Be a goldfish, you yeah. know, and just move on, like move on. But the thing is Ted Lasso is obviously a fictional character and Chip Gaines is a non-fictional character. He's a person, you know. So he's like actually putting all these positive traits that, you know, we've created this one show around, he actually embodies them and lives them in his everyday life. That's yeah. crazy. Yeah, his work is literally about seeing the beauty and potential in existing structures that anybody else would think were garbage or beyond help, you know? And how does he help himself see that in like these physical structures? I think these physical structures are like a tangible artifact onto which he can exercise his inherent positivity and his inherent ability to see the best and, and, and see the potential uh, that is maybe otherwise invisible to people. And I mean, and he does this for other people, you know, I mean, he's, he's really um, very much, I mean, you know, he gets paid and he and his wife have started this company. They don't do the show anymore. They have their own magnolia. You know, he's a mogul, but, and he owns Waco, Texas, but he's, um, I'm just kidding. I don't think he owns it outright. He kind of does. He put Waco, Texas on the map. Like, he well, did. he wasn't he did. the first. Let's not forget no, about but the he, mass he, suicide. He, <laughs> he, he flipped. He flipped the whole David Koresh thing. I mean, now when you think of Waco, you think of Magnolia as much as you think of, you think the of ATF. Yeah. yeah. People pilgrimage to, Mag to the Magnolia silo. Have you ever done to, that? Uh, not yet. Not yet. You think you might? I'm hoping he hears this and I get an invite. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. So which which do you think came first, Michael? His skills as a carpenter and a designer and his ability to see what other people can't see in a structure or his optimistic point of view, which allowed him to open up his 
skills and his mind. I think those things are fused because when he was in college, he went to play baseball. And he, you know, like any kid, dreamed that he would go to college and then he'd go pro and he'd play baseball and be a professional baseball player. But he got cut his freshman year. And he was sitting there in class at Baylor, looking out the window, thinking, what am I doing in this business class? And he saw a guy out the window mowing the lawn. And he thought, see, that guy's not sitting in a classroom listening to theories. He's out there doing something. And he went out and he asked that guy how he came to be doing what he was doing. And the next thing you know, he was invited to be a part of this guy's landscaping business. And then he started his own landscaping business. And then he started as a builder. And then he got into the rehab and the renovation stuff. And of course, met Joanna and everything. But, but he, I mean, I think it was he was, he was, he was, it yeah, and, from... yeah, and he was getting himself out of a funk and bringing a winning attitude to his having lost something. And so I think doing something tangible with his hands is part and parcel to his whole philosophy of living. Yeah. I cannot wait to go watch more episodes of this because I've seen <laughs> their show, but now I'm like, I'm having a birthday coming up and I'm like wanting to like transform my sort of outlook and attitude. And, and this is like the perfect moment for me to be introduced to Chip. Yeah. Via you. <laughs> yeah, man. I can't wait till you see your first demo day. You know, he loves demo day. And it's not about, see, it's not about tearing something down. It's about throwing yourself into the task, you know, demolishing a space and making room for something new is something that requires you to fully commit to it. I mean, if you're going to run a, through a wall, you, you can't do it half-heartedly. And I think that's why he loves it, because it, it calls upon him to, as he says, get after it. You know, he likes to get yeah, after I it. Yeah, I mean, with athletes, <laughs> I think being an actor, you would agree you have to be really in touch with your body. You know, you have to, your body is your you know, vessel for your art. But there's something about like being physical and doing physical labor that just like emotionally lights me up. I mean, yeah. do you have that same experience? Absolutely. I mean, I think that's a part of what I admire and, and frankly envy about the kind of work he does. You know, it's not this sort of esoteric thing that you do and then turn around and it's just sort of like evaporated. It's there's there are tangible results. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Maybe I should, maybe I should go down to Waco. <laughs> you know what? Get an Airstream trailer, live the good life. All yeah. right, here's some here's some practical questions, some pragmatic stuff. Okay. How often do you watch the show? Have um, you seen every season and every episode, do you think? I think, I, I mean, there might be one here or there that I've missed, but I think I've pretty much seen them all. There aren't any more, you know? They're not doing it anymore. Yes, they're doing the whole Magnolia Network. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, obviously, Joanna is an enormous part of this. She's the face of every Magnolia magazine. She's, you know... Why are we not focusing as much on Joanna? Or is it is there a little bit of love for Joanna? Or you're like, you know what? Why is there? Is it just because like I I'm a man, I see this man, and so I can relate to him as a man, and I'm curious about that. Yeah, I think I think it's 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 a man modeling a sort of uh, behavior that I would like to model 
I mean, Joanna, I'm jealous of her. I mean, she gets to mar- be married to Chip Gaines, you know. <laughs> well, speaking but, uh, of, do you think you'd want, is it more about you being Chip? Like, would you want to be yeah. Chip more or why would you want to be friends with Chip? I would like to be friends with him. I'd like to discover by some multiple twists of fate that he's my brother, you know, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, get invited for family stuff and. No, he's I just a feel good person. Like, yeah, I just there's something he he embodies something that so often when I encounter different versions of it, I find sort of saccharine or or whatever. But in his case, it's just palatable because it's undeniable. And I think it does have to do with that humility. Like, you know what I love is in the episodes when they are looking at the house for the first time, he always says, after y'all, he says, after y'all to the family, you know. And he really is very much like it kind of those two words like encapsulate his spirit of like deference and service. And like this is really for me about executing something so that you two people, it's usually a couple, can more like fully embody your space and yourselves and your lives. And after y'all. Yeah, I love that. He's not just giving a house. He's not just making a house. Because I'm, I love the show too. And I, I also, I will watch. I over the shouldered it with my wife, and then started to just full on sit down and be like, oh my gosh, these two are so charming together. And I actually think he's very funny. Like I gen, I'm with uh, you. Yeah, I think he's genuinely funny. And I think he's a funny guy. He makes me laugh, and he he's got a great heart. So I and I'm you're not, also like I get it. You're watching <laughs> someone come into his own or discovering in spite of himself, in spite of having had no maybe conscious aspiration to be a television personality necessarily, realizing that he's like kind of good at this and that's fun. Yeah. Mm. I mean, have you watched Hometown, the new version? The new HGTV show with the other husband-wife team. Yeah, it's uh, Ben and Aaron Napier. And they're they're sort of like parallel universe Chip and Joanna, but they're doing it in a town in in uh, Mississippi. And he's great too. He's like a he's like young Santa. <laughs> he is. I've seen a little bit of him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, there are, there are some false rumors online about about uh, feuds going on between the Gaineses and the Napiers, but it's 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 oh. not true. It's not true. It's not true. So speaking of, are you are you on the internet a lot? Will you like I'm I love Oasis so much. I probably right. Google Liam Gallagher at least once a week for right. years because I know they always say he says really off the cuff stuff and I like his brash attitude because I I'm I'll never be that guy. Do you just Google Chip Gaines just to see what he's up to? Um I don't do it every day. I'm doing it right now though because you want to see the hair you want to see the the no shaved head whoa yeah it's different right (laughs) (laughs) he's he's laughing yeah i mean i don't know i don't think it's like gonna be an abiding look but uh it's good i mean he's got great hair you know do well which version of chip do we like because that was a very controversial thing do we like bearded chip do we like long hair chip I like long haired Chip. I like I like the Chip who it's sort of because he's he's such a sort of like, you know, former athlete kind of dude, sort of guy's guy. But when the hair's a little long and he periodically has to do the 
the middle <laughs> fingers <love> behind <laughs> the ears. It, it, it makes him sort of like a surfer dude slash, I don't know, just a guy who maybe gives some thought to how he looks and kind of like, yeah, I know, I know, I know. The hair is pretty great, right? So I like the longer hair. And I like the beard. I like the beard, too. I like the hair suit. <laughs> it is a hair suit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, so I'm obsessed with their line from Target. <laughs> uh-huh. I, I'm also obsessed with the magazine. I have not watched the show as diligently as you have, but I've enjoyed it. Now I'm going to go back and like really watch it. Uh, and also try to get myself on it. I've decided <laughs> I'm going to write a letter. Yeah. Like, wouldn't you guys like to come do my house for kids? Like we need help. Yeah. Um, but anyway, do you own a lot of their products? Their stuff is really cool. I don't, but it doesn't mean that I won't. Right. In fact, I'm starting to feel bad that I, that I haven't ordered anything. Well, you know, it's more, I, it doesn't, <laughs> everybody's different with that type of stuff. Like yeah. I, I'm a very tangible person. I like to like... If it's around, I like, you know, I've got a lot of decoration and Buddhas and decor in my house. But some people right. just are more streamlined, and that doesn't affect your relationship with Chip, Michael. Right. I want you to Thanks. know. Thanks. <laughs> Thank you. Thank I'm you. I'm here to support you in, in any of your decor uh, styles and needs, just as Chip would. The show's also nice because, I mean, it's obviously a formula. Everything's virtually the same show, and I, I love that. It's very comforting. It's like, yeah. you know, it's like an old sitcom, like... Things are getting kind of hairy, but I have a feeling it's all going to work out. That's why I love Golden Girls. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, it's I love the Golden same Girls reason. too. Me too. I like watching American Ninja Warrior. Same thing. It's like yeah. I know the formula. I, I'm not, there's no unexpected moments. Like they're going to make a family happy at the end of every episode with a yeah. really pretty house. Has there ever yeah. been a house? And this is a little. This is on topic, but off topic. Has there ever been a time you saw Chip do something that you were a little like? Oh, I don't know. That was a, the <laughs> best move. <laughs> I mean, I think I think what's tough is when you <laughs> what's tough is when <laughs> you know when they do a house and they don't show you the whole house and you're like, what about that part of the house that we saw at the beginning? Did you just leave that? Yeah, is what there, did you do? Cut it are off? There like, like... <laughs> there, are they going to have like you know two or three like haunted rooms up on the second floor now? <laughs> That that always, you know, sometimes things are more to my taste than others, but I would say I'm just sort of varying versions of satisfied at the end of the episodes. Thoughts on Shiplap? I like Shiplap. Did you know about Shiplap before the no. show? No, I mean, I knew, I knew, you know, it was, oh, that's what that's called. You know, I'd seen it, but I didn't have a name for it, and I don't think I... Uh, my eye was quite as in tune with it as it is now. You know, what it's is like, it? I don't know what it is. It's it's like exposed boards. Mm. Oh, got <laughs> that's, it. That's probably <laughs> there's probably a better better way to define it. Yeah, we're actually getting it because of Fixer Upper and the Gaineses. My wife uh, Sarah is very excited to put shiplap in our bathroom next month. So that's what we're doing. I, I promised her that we will do it and. We're going to do it. And so I will have shiplap in the home. There will, Are you going to order directly... it from the Magnolia warehouse? <laughs> no, I'm going to get it no. from whatever local California lumber yard there is. Right. 
If debit is your go-to card, Discover thinks it's time you get rewarded too. So check out Discover Cashback Debit, a game-changing checking account with cashback on everyday debit card purchases. That's right. Cashback isn't just for credit cards anymore. Whether it's a movie date, flea market find, or midday latte, you can start earning cashback. And did I mention there are no fees, period? Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashback debit. Discover Bank member FDIC. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. How does Morgan feel? Speaking of wives, how does Morgan feel about uh, Chip? Is she jealous of him? Is she into it like you are? I mean, she likes it. She doesn't love it like I do. But I think she really likes to watch me watch it. She just gets a kick on on how dependably delighted I am by him. (laughs) It's like when you've read a book and you're watching the movie with someone who hasn't read the book and you're like, I want to tell you everything that's going on here. That's like, I totally get it. Like as your wife watching you enjoy yourself watching Chip. And that leads me to my next question. When you're watching and you mentioned like the rooms, the abandoned rooms, they didn't quite cover at the end. When they're doing the Joanna storyline, are you like, all right, come on. Let's get back to what Chip's up to. (laughs) No, because, you know, I know he's been in those rooms and I can imagine him walking around back there and fixing himself a cup of coffee in the corner. No, I love Joanna. She's great. I do. I do. I think they're a great couple. They're very, very, they're really, really nice convergence of different skill sets. One thing Morgan does now is if I'm watching Hometown, She'll be like, I'm going to tell Chip. You know, she acts like I'm uh, going behind his back, but he understands. Well, Chip was the original. Yeah, he exactly. Was the OG. Yeah. Exactly. And they complement each other so well, Chip and Joanna. That Chip is who he is because of Joanna, and Joanna is who she is because of Chip. I mean, I don't yeah. think you're interested. I don't think we're necessarily interested. Ooh, this is, a, I'm, as I'm asking it, uh-huh. I'm about to say, I don't think we're ne- necessarily interested in just the Chip show or just the Joanna show. Nope. Nope. But you agree. Yeah, it's yep. it's it's about the two of them, and and they both, the counterpoint each provides for the other makes them both that much more sort of vivid, and and you appreciate them all the more because of it. Yeah, I mean they're a great couple. They're a great couple. It's nice to have good people on TV. <laughs> you know what I mean? In these yeah. reality shows, like people that that you actually aspire to their you know, relationship life and their, and how they view the world. And yeah, it's it's nice. They're getting along, you know, I don't mean like getting by. I mean, they're getting along like you can, I mean, that's another thing that I love about them both, but like he loves her, you know, like you get, when you watch the show and you watch them interact in the midst of a stressful job, like you can see him, I mean, he loves her actively. Like you can see him mm-hmm. making the choice to do the loving thing, and 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 vice versa. But uh, yeah, I think that's a part of what's unique about the show and the current sort of cultural climate to just watch uh, people um, being kind to each other. It's kind of nice. 
yeah, helping each other and like, you know, modeling great relationship skills. And like you said, he's just like he's a he's a gentleman, you know? Yeah. I love that. I love that. If I were him, if I were Chip, <laughs> which I'm not, but if I were, I would use that, you know, after you as my hashtag on yeah. all my social media because it's a perfect reflection of his outlook on the world, I think. Yeah. Yeah. How has Chip affected possibly your relationship or relationships with people? Your work, maybe? Um, Obviously, it's meant a lot to you deep down. Do you see it coming out extrovertedly? I mean, I think, you know, as, I, as I'm talking to you and thinking about, you know, the work environment that we were just in together, I think it probably just encourages me to, yeah, take the work seriously and not take myself so seriously and go ahead and lean into any impulse to be silly. Well, like I said, I thought you are more Chip Gaines-like than you are not. And I yeah. spent a fair amount of time with you. And so I'm well, right. Well, maybe that's it. It's like, it's like Chip gives you permission to recognize your own Chip Gaines and, mm -hmm. and, and, and be it more. <laughs> I mean, I, th I think so. Because especially, you know, being an artist, being an actor, playing the role of Dexter, like everything is, you know, outwardly so serious. And I think he does give you permission to just kind of let go, be silly and, and embrace like the funny side of life or yeah. whatever. Oh, there's this one thing in the book that I loved. He talked about some employee of his asking basically about securing permits for a job. And he decides consciously not to tell her the answers that he could easily give her, which would allow her to avoid a lot of headaches and a lot of backtracking and mistakes. Basically, the philosophy being, if you mess it up yourself and then have to fix it, you will learn how to do it in a way that you wouldn't had you just been told in the first place. Like, you know, if, you, if you're put into a room with a blindfold on and have to fumble around and f figure out where the walls are and uh, where the furniture is and how it all fits together, you're probably in the end going to have a sense of that room that's much deeper than if you're just showed a, a shown a, a snapshot. Yeah. Chip gains. That's beautiful. I love that. Love it. All right, Michael, this is how we end every podcast. You get to now <laughs> share a love letter, an audible love letter to Chip Gaines. So it starts with, dear Chip Gaines, and what would you say to Chip and how he's affected your life? Dear Chip Gaines, thank you for being you. Thank you for sharing who you are with America, for embodying a genuinely enthusiastic and positive outlook and coupling it with a genuine gratitude, humility, and desire to serve other people. You're a great American and I'm better for having spent as much time with you as I have. Love your brother, Mike. Aww. <laughs> You know, it is possible they could find out you guys are related. There's a lot of uh, 
<laughs> weird things out there with 23andMe and <laughs> Ancestry, you know, a lot of yeah. unexpected siblings are popping up for people our age. So fingers crossed, maybe. I yeah. don't know. <laughs> Thanks, man. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> Listen, he may have, you know, the Gaines family may have driven through North Carolina at some point. You never know. Yep. Stayed a while. Yep. Uh, Michael, an absolute pleasure. Thank you for loving on us, loving on Chip, and uh, may we all destroy a house together one day with a smile. Yeah. Walk through those walls, people. Walk through those walls. Yeah. I hope they become best friends, don't you, Claire? I think it's inevitable, David, because how, first of all, how could you not love Chip Gaines after listening to this episode? And how could you not love Michael C. Hall after listening to this episode? They must love each other. We need to get it for sure. Gaines going. We need to know that Chip has heard this episode. Not for us. We just need to make sure there's a bromance that is brewing and happening for these two. I think their lives will be better for each other. I think... It is going to be uh, a beautiful it's operation, thing. Operation Bromance. Uh, operation Bromance. Uh, operation C Gaines Hall. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna stop trying to combine their names into something funny now. But no, I I absolutely loved. I I, I kind of just want to go watch. You know chip myself now or shop at Target. It's just so great that a guy who we all know and love as a uh, a moralistic serial killer is that if that's what we'll say is just in love with a guy who just has a great wife a lot of kids and just fixes up houses and makes people happy and it's like it's just a beautiful thing and that's a reminder that michael c hall is his own human being and he is not the character of dexter but it's always so fun when you see someone who's known for such a thing and you you know see him in your tv all these years and you're like oh my gosh i had no idea this is who they really are and like he just has in his heart uh, the love of of Chip and of all the people, of all the people in the whole wide world. And it was so charming to hear that. It was just the best. I love it. Great episode. Great episode. That was an amazing episode. And before you guys go, next week we have Julia Jones. She plays Angela Bishop, Chief Angela Bishop, who, of course, is Dexter's new love interest this season. And Julia is coming on to talk about dark chocolate. Not the dark passenger, but dark chocolate. We'll see you guys next Monday. Thank you for listening to Fanatics, a Roddenberry podcast. For more episodes and info, head over to wearefanatics.com or tweet your Fanatics thoughts and stories at wearefanatics. Yes, that's we are F-A-N-A-D-D-I-C-T-S. Our show is hosted by Claire Kramer and me, David Magadoff. Produced by me, Claire Kramer, and Kelsey Goldberg. Executive producers Trevor Roth and Rod Roddenberry. Our sound engineer and editor is Elizabeth Joy Windham. And you can thank Stephen Mudd for our theme song. Catch us next Thursday for another Fanatics episode. Every day is demo day. When you watch Chip Gaines and we're here to say that Michael loves hearing that after y'all. Because Chip is a gentleman after all. Michael C. Hall. The C stands for Chip. I wonder if they really could be brothers.